Felipe, really, really excited to have you um, on the based space. Um, to give you like a little a little background around the space, we just kind of started this initially as like a fun a fun way to connect with friends. Um, we got in really early into like the Twitter Spaces beta. Uh, and it was just really like shenanigans. Um, you know, some of our first spaces were talking about like world domination <laughs> and things like that. And we've kind of formed, um, slowly started to form like an audience around the spaces. And now we've turned them into like more of an educational um, space where we bring on all different types of projects to kind of get um, crypto Twitter up to speed on what's happening in the industry um, and learn, uh, especially this, this cycle, man, there's just so many new projects that are launching so much innovation um, happening in the space. So we're just trying to provide, um, you know, a Twitter space where basically everyone can, can learn and, um, and cooperate. So really, really excited to have you on, man. Do you, you go to listener? been a while since we've had some uh, technical difficulties so uh we, we had a pretty good track record there for a little bit <laughs> uh felipe if you could hear me i'm request i'm invited you to speak if it's not letting you connect it's possible you need to just restart the twitter app and rejoin the space Yeah, he probably need to restart. Ah, uh, it's probably just Twitter Spaces, man. <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, yeah. Th thanks for the introduction. I'm excited. It sounds like you guys, uh, since when you said you started doing this? We started doing it like a, a few months ago. Uh, we've, we've had everyone from like Avalanche was recently on here. Uh, we've had Bancor. Uh, we just had Rarible um, nice. come on and speak with us. So yeah, we've been bringing on a wide variety of projects and um, and also I would, I would call them more like uh, influencers. Uh, within like the crypto space, like we had the the founder of Phase Clan come on and talk to the group, um, and we also had on Chain Chainlink God in the past. So, nice. yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Cool. yeah nice it's, it's really, people. Yeah, man. No, no, it's 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 awesome. I mean, to me, it's it's just about like provide, like I was saying, just providing like the educational platform, bringing on projects that everyone is super hyped about. Or I think in this case, your project, in my opinion, is kind of underrated. Um, I really hadn't heard um, too much about it until I started doing a lot more, a lot more research. So I feel like it's more like under under the radar. Like, would, wouldn't you would you say that yourself? Like, oh yeah, for sure. I think um, you know we've been working on this for uh, three years now, actually, 2018, and we specifically made it so that. You know, we wouldn't do any pre-sell or we wouldn't really do any marketing until the product was ready to to launch in a state that we found uh, acceptable. And that means, you know, we're trying to focus more being, at least for Skyweaver, we try to sit more as a, 
a game first and then utilizing the blockchain as a second as a secondary tool a feature so and in the gaming industry you know they're in order to release and make a splash you you need to have some some high quality stuff so it, it takes a long time to build a game uh so that's kind of why we've been try to avoid uh you know wasting or spending our resources to do early marketing too early and you know disappoint people by you know only coming out you know two years later so uh we're you know you're getting into that state where uh we want to launch the next couple of months and yeah i think i think once we're ready for for that we'll we'll try to make a bit more noise than than we did in the past Oh yeah, I mean, I I think that that's really smart. You know, at your stage, you should probably be putting all your capital into development, um, versus versus marketing, and that's what we see. That like a lot of the projects, um, even non gaming related, like that's what they're really focused on as well. Is they're more focused on development, building out a really solid foundation, and um, marketing. Marketing will come later, and, and and even in some cases, they're they're saying that like UX is like in, at a later point they're really just focused on on the back end but i think in your case you know as, as a video game i would i would think that ux is is definitely top of mind um in your in your in your situation oh yeah and you know i'm, I'm sure many of you have experienced that with blockchain is a pain in the ass when it comes to user experience at least you know when you're brand new to it it's you know fairly difficult i think a lot of people in this space are willing to go through the hurdle because well, many of them are either interested in technology and, and curious about it, or, you know, when you're financially incentivized to do some homeworks, I think a lot more people go to it. But when it comes to like, you know, using products, like whether it's, you know, watching movies or being entertained by playing video games, um, people have very little patience. And if you don't attract their attention from the beginning, then it's very easy to lose them. So for us, you know, one of the biggest challenge we focus on in the last few years was, uh, and many other projects also focused on that, but is really how to make it so that um, the user experience when interacting with projects that use blockchain technology such as Ethereum, how can we make it so that it's almost invisible to the user? And by invisible, I don't mean that the users don't see the benefits of the blockchain, but that, you know, they don't need to download wallets or they don't need to learn about private key management um, they don't need to learn about gas and all this stuff. And it's very, very difficult to abstract and simplify these user experience without comp com compromising uh, something, right? Then most of the time people will compromise uh, security when it comes to uh, improving user experience. And for us, this is really something that we try to stay away from. And, you know, that takes a lot of work to to give a good user experience without compromising security is very difficult. Yeah, that's uh, that's fascinating. I feel like that's like one of the uh, drivers to go from like, you know, as we see in the blockchain world, it takes uh, a long time for the network to grow. But as you can seamlessly integrate um, on the back end to where the user is actually really none the wiser um, in terms of the user interface, I feel like that's how you can really boost that network from like a hundred thousand to a hundred million uh pretty quickly yeah at least that's the bet we're willing to make uh you know the the crypto community often feels very large and projects are you know i think it's perhaps the intensity of the community members 
that make it feel like it's a very powerful and strong communities, but in general, it's still very, very small. If you look at the grand scheme of, you know, the entire population. Um, so that's why for us, you know, yes, we definitely want to be exciting for all the, you know, crypto enthusiasts, blockchain experts, and, you know, those that have been here for a while, but are, you know, the biggest piece of the pie that we're personally after is really the, the mainstream audience. And, you know, of course, that's what everybody says, but um, this is, at least for me, the reason why I wanted to work uh, on a project like a video game that uses Ethereum is I almost get, you know, the, for me, the way I see it is that these kind of products are a Trojan horse to bring blockchain technologies to the masses. And my, you know, my dream with Skyver and, you know, there's many other games in the space like Axie Infinity and, you know, Gods on Chain and Neon District. Uh, one thing that I think are all going to achieve on the long term, the ones that are successful, is to convert people that started just playing a video game. They may not even realize that, you know, what the, the, the type of the technology they're using uh, while play, interacting with that game. And then later down the line, maybe, you know, a few months after playing a lot, after trading, after buying stuff, uh, then it clicks, you know. And to me, that's really exciting to say, like, oh, we could you know, teach generations, teenagers, young adults, people that have never cared about finance or financial freedom. And just that, that these kind of topics, now you teach them by playing games, you teach them, oh, well, I, my assets follow me around. They're not just in my video game the way they are in Steam. And not only I can sell them, buy them, but I can also lend them, I could short them, I could, you know, do some leverage trading on them, I could insure them. And I think once people start realizing the power of these kind of technologies, that knowledge will translate to not only video games, but just in general, their everyday life finance and everyday life product. And I think they're, they're gonna start asking more of that out of other types of product they're using. And yeah, so for me, this is really why I think trying to appeal to the mainstream is not only, yes, we get a lot of users, but I think this is also where we can have the most impact in terms of pushing things forward as an industry. No, a hundred percent. I agree with you full heartedly. I think um, the younger generation is going to need blockchain more than ever, um, you know, in the current state of the world and uh, the way that we're evolving. Um, and uh, I think it's really, really smart to make it more seamlessly happening in the background versus, um, you know, someone having to worry about gas and, and all of, and all of the other factors. I mean, we here, uh, I think, think most of my listeners are pretty, pretty in depth uh, in, into blockchain and they're familiar with gas and using Uniswap and, and all these other things, but average retail average retail isn't going to want to use um, those type of services or um, especially, I think the older you get, um, it's going to be harder to teach you know, a boomer, <laughs> you know, for example, how to use those things because they just don't have the same level of patience. Um, but even you mentioned like the younger generation isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily have patience either now that they've been exposed to social media and um, everything for them is like happening on the fly, you know, with, with a level of the internet that we currently have versus when I was growing up. I mean, we just had dial up, <laughs> you know, so it took a little bit longer. Uh, to actually get on, on board and online and do things. 
Yeah, not only in terms of technology, but I think just in terms of, you know, this, the like financial space itself, at least personally, I never really cared about finance as much as I did when I started being interested in, in blockchain. You know, and this is really when the last few years uh, since I've joined the space is when I've learned the most about finance and really tried to better understand not only like financial products like like trading and stuff, but also just financial systems and you know the impact it has on on the economy and how it plays out in everyday life. So I like I really hope that you know especially for video games, it makes younger people think about economies the same way you know like when perhaps I was young as playing say World of Warcraft or, or you know uh, CS:GO or stuff and you know trading skins and and cosmetics. Um, you know, it kind of introduced me to this concept, but very, very on the surface, you know, and I, I hope that we can bring it to the next level with uh, with these kind of projects. Yeah, you actually, you, you touch on like a really interesting point. This was like one of the things that like struck me as just like, like that, like, wow type moment. Um, and we'll, we'll dive into it during the episode, but your, your sequence, like the sequence product and kind of like bringing that uh, seamless interoperability and like these in-game economies our uh, real life economies into the game, like in a seamless manner, like we're, we're just gonna have, like the future generations of kids are, are going to be uh, like by default, they're going to understand finance on a whole nother level compared to past generations. And it's going to be built in into passions that they have and games that they love. And it's just going to be like a second nature to them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm with you on that. It's I, I'm extremely excited to see how this plays out. Yeah, man, me too. And I think, you know, uh, you already, I don't know if you guys have followed a bit what hap- what's happening with Axie Infinity, but, you know, I think there's so many, like, nice stories about, you know, people being able to play and being passionate about the game. And, um, you know, a lot of it is, or many of it, not all of it, is because of the play-to-earn component. But also there's many people that just enjoy the game for, for what it is, the same way we enjoyed Tamagoshi or you know, Pokemon when we were, when we were younger. But I, I think, you know, seeing, and it's really surprising, but you see a lot of kids and younger people playing Axie Infinity. And um, yeah, I mean, if it's that's just one project, I just can't imagine, you know, hopefully Skyrim is a success, but, you know, in the next five to 10 years, I think there's there's also a lot of big companies in the gaming space that are very interested in integrating uh, blockchain technology. So I think, yeah, as you said, the, the new generation, they're going to be born with it. And it's going to be very exciting to see what they do with that. Yeah, we actually had Jiho uh, from Axie on the space. Um, and it's pretty crazy. He was touching on, not to get on a tangent about Axie, but he was touching on, like, they're called Axie houses. And uh, because of Axie and just playing the game, there's all types of people in, like, the Philippines, for example, that they can actually, like, afford a home, which is that's life changing, you know, for someone and to for blockchain to have that type of impact um, on someone in, in in those countries. And I can only only see that extrapolating out um, to the United States and other uh, first world countries in the future. And so the traditional nine to five, in a sense, is is being um, is being challenged, you know, like uh, you don't necessarily have to go to college to to make a living um, and to and to do those things. Um, and I think now the internet has just opened up a whole new world of education and possibilities for the younger generation. Hundred yeah, percent. 
Um, kind of taking it back to you a little bit, like how'd you first get involved in the crypto and blockchain space? Um, the first time I think I did something that was more involved with blockchain was I think around 2015, 2016. I organized a Bitcoin conference at the university I was attending back then. Um, and yeah, mostly just organized that uh, in a talk conference. I mean, just a single talk that lasted like two hours. I wasn't the one presenting, but um, so I started interested in being back there. But again, for me, just uh, I was never really interested in finance and, and Bitcoin, especially is at least at, back in the days was very focused to me as a currency. And I didn't really uh, wasn't really interested just as a currency. And I really became you know, fascinated with the space uh, 2016, 2017. Uh, when I discovered Ethereum and I started reading into it. And yeah, that's really what I like, took it off. Just all the possibilities to me just were mind blowing. And uh, around that time, I I quit my master degree that I was doing back then to just focus full time. So since, uh, yeah, mid 2017, I've been full time just working in this space. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I got in, I got involved in the space around the same, around the same time frame. Um, curious, like how, how you made your way, um, to horizon. Um, well, I, you know, I was al always a bit more on the, uh, software engineering side. Uh, uh, so for me, early 2017, I was starting to do, you know, a bunch of, uh, smart contract development just for fun. And. I worked uh, with a few projects uh, like Xerox and did some security audits here and there. And uh, yeah, I met Peter, the, the founder of Horizon, I think randomly, I just attended a random meetup and he was giving a talk about the, the project and stuff. And I just thought, you know, I, that's for me, it really clicked at that moment that um, gaming and blockchain was probably the best way to Pierce mainstream, and from that onward, I just jumped in and, and focused on that. That's really really cool. So, were you one of the original um, members of the team? Uh, I was the first non-founder employee, or the first employee, basically. Got it. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And um, you know, we noticed that you guys have some really big backers, um, like Coinbase, supporting supporting your operations. Um, were you around kind of um, in in uh, securing funding uh, for Horizon or was that was that process already completed? Uh, that was mostly after I joined. So yeah, I did participate in some of the discussion. Uh, I wasn't personally myself, you know, doing all the, the fundraising. Uh, this is was mainly uh, Michael Sanders one of the founder and Peter, the CEO that spent most of their time doing that back in the days. And now we have an amazing CFO that <laughs> handles that most of the time uh, these days. And yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, curious, like if like Coinbase, for example, was really, were they really just intrigued by the, the sequence product? And is that how you guys got the, that level of support? Actually, um, all our funds raising in the past were before we had sequence as a product in mind. Uh, we always kind of like build it in the background, but it was never really something that we wanted to push forward, at least not back then. Uh, so no, they were all investing specifically in, in Scout Weaver. Yeah, 
that's really really cool. Um, I, I I I was expecting the, you to say sequence, but yeah, that's uh, that's really really cool that um, that those type of ventures were interested in actually supporting um, game development. That's that's really based. Yeah, it is. Uh, I didn't think it was, you know, but I, well, it's not true. Like if you look back in 2017, 2018 as well, you had, you know, CryptoKitties that was really like kicking off and I think surprised a lot of people. And then even projects like back in the days got on chain, um, did a very successful, you know, I guess initial card offering <laughs> that I think got some investors interested as well. So I think there was enough examples you know, in the in the wild, that got investors interested in blockchain gaming. Yeah, you you kind of touched on this um, earlier, um, and Chase, I believe you found this right on on the website around um, internet internet economies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Someone on YouTube said, I, I know we had kind of briefly talked about it, but this is just like one thing that had like grabbed my attention when we were first kind of like diving into the project but you you guys talk about uh horizon talks about you know building a new dimension um and where internet economies are like fun accessible and for the benefit of like all participants so i just wondering if like if you could like expand on that from like more of a like value pitch perspective of like what you guys see and like the future you envision in this space yeah i think for many of us in the company and i think in general well not to generalize to the entire space, but I, I think a lot of people in our company are very uh, care very much about uh, transparency and fairness, and um, I, you know, trying to remove the need for trust. And um, I think, in general, when we see things like building, you know, new dimensions and and open economies and and fun environments, we're really trying to combine all these all these statements together, where you know. When we say fun, and we also mean safe in the sense that uh, people can interact with products the way they never could before, and without having to to be scared of being exploited. Or, of course, there's you know many systems that get exploited, but more in terms of oppression from from uh, institutions. And you know, the fun part is for us really um, specifically about Skyver and Sequence tied together, trying to make it so that it's a really seamless experience. Uh, but in terms of the future that we envision or I personally envision, um, I I just can't imagine, you know, right now, and especially, I think it's a lot more obvious this year with NFTs, but I think people kind of always neglected the importance of digital assets. Uh, this happened, you know, on numerous occasions such as with data in general, people didn't think data was valuable in the past, and now it's one of the main, you know, monetization a way of uh, social media's try to monetize themselves is by selling the data of people. Uh, not ethical in many cases, but I think it does show that uh, digital information is is extremely valuable. Same thing with marketing, and uh, I think gaming cosmetics. I've always uh, somewhat. Um, you know, had a group of people that knew that these co cosmetics were valuable, uh, but it was never really apparent to the outside world. If you've never really purchased skins and games, I think it's very difficult for people to understand why people would purchase skins or cosmetics in video games. I think NFT are really trying to uh, starting to change that uh, in the sense of now people can see value in terms of tangible dollar. Um, I think it's still very 
we're still very far from people understanding the the value of digital asset. But I think as the future evolves, uh, more and more, you know, people will realize this. And for me, one of, you know, not my favorite movie because it's definitely not, but one of the book I really liked uh, was uh, Ready Player One. And uh, have you guys seen it or read the book? Yeah, seen the movie. Yeah, I've seen the movie. Yeah, yeah. So for me, you know, uh, for those who haven't, it's basically this person and or this you know sci-fi world where uh this there's this uh, system called the oasis which is a very very advanced uh virtual world where people can just basically live up there they spend more time in there than they spend in their real life uh because of how amazing it is and in it there's this big competition of like a trillion dollar there's all these amazing assets and jobs and i remember when i watched that movie that i just was amazed because I think the only way you can have a universe like this, there's just no other way than with blockchain. You cannot have a system that a, same, a single company uh, controls. That would, be, that would be horrible to have one company controls an entire universe uh, because I think you know, these kind of futures are universe. And not to say that we, you know, the future is virtual reality or anything, but the future is definitely digital. And I, there's no way we, uh, you know, the future can be digital. It cannot be digital without technologies like blockchain. So I think uh, just the push of blockchain and what we're trying to do at Horizon is really accelerate that pace of transition of having a lot more serious digital world where people not only see digital as being, you know, a place that they can live, but as its own universe that, you know, it's it's as real as uh, the physical universe. Sorry, that's yeah. a long, long tangent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think I'd agree with you a lot. Um, you know, I, I don't think uh, it will be everything, you know, but I do think like as we just advance in technology, we're going to move from this like two dimensional social media connectivity world to a completely 3D immersive experience social world. Um, I, I just feel like it's kind of like a natural progression of like how humans are like social. Um, and like the technology is going to just make it like a more and more immersive experience. And, um, you know, yeah, the blockchain is literally like the, the proof of ownership, um, in these like virtual worlds. Yeah. It's, it's very difficult to have a world or a universe, uh, without, you know, proper ownership. And for me, it's, it's, you know, of course, uh, exaggerating, but I always almost see blockchain rules are very similar to a rules governed by the universe where as you live within the system of the universe you know you are subjected to obviously certain physical laws um, and blockchains permit the creation of alternative worlds right financial worlds in this case uh, that have laws that need to be obeyed uh, and they need to be obeyed not only by you know uh, well Many, for example, many smart contracts like Uniswap, there's no God behind it, so to speak, or entity or creator that can just, you know, change at will the, the way that that universe works. And uh, I think for having a fully digital world, uh, of course, video games on their own may not be all on the blockchain, but at least the assets and the economy within them can be very, very real and built in ways that nobody really has control over, uh, which to me is like super appealing.
No, a hundred percent. I mean, we're, I would argue that people might be spending more time in the digital world than the physical world at, at this point. I mean, if you go to, if you go to out in the public, where are people looking? Most people are just looking at their smartphone all day. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bad at it. I, to be honest, I put, I turned on the, the tracker on my phone that says how much time and it's, it's pretty freaky how much time I'm actually spending on my phone every day. Yeah, it's uh, it's not always great, but I also think you know, internet kind of really came alive for at least most of us within the last twenty years, and I think we're in this weird transition period where, you know, being on our phone and being in real world often, or being too much on your phone or being too much digital sometimes takes a lot of mental stress or isolates yourself. But I think as you know, time evolves, these boundaries between you know, the need to go outside more and, and being in the physical world for your mental health and, and the digital one, I think it's going to be a lot more blurry. And I think people will, uh, at least I don't know how you guys feel, but personally, you know, I try to not always be on my computer. I need to go out sometimes. I have uh, noticed that it's otherwise I have a hard time managing my stress, but I would imagine that in the next 20 to 50 years, you know, uh, the digital world will not be as... Uh, as uh, stressful or isolating as as it is now especially i think like ex experiences like the one we're having now or twitter in general is a very good way of meeting new people and expanding your social circle no a hundred a hundred percent i mean we've we've met some really crazy um crazy smart people um through these spaces so i agree with you there um kind of transitioning to some of the products that um, Horizon is built out. Could you kind of give us like an overview of um, of Sequence and what what that is all about? Yeah, for sure. So Sequence is our it's a mixture of infrastructure stack uh, and also a web wallet interface. Um, and the way we build the wallet is uh, very similar. If you guys have heard of Argent and Dharma, um, they're basically Sequence is basically a smart contract wallet, which enables a lot of features that traditional wallets uh, such as MetaMask are not able to per se uh, achieve at the moment. And this is things like, well, uh, you know, all, our, all the users wallet of sequence are actually multi-signatures. And um, the way we kind of, the reason why we kind of do that is we want to make it so that you can have two-factor authentication by, for example, having one private key on your phone and the other private key, for example, uh, on another device or a system we use is called Taurus, which is a it's a protocol for dis distributed uh, key generation where uh, with social logins, you can basically retrieve a private key from multiple participants in the network, but none of these participants actually have your private key. They all have pieces uh, that on their own means absolutely nothing. But when you as a user retrieve all these pieces, that generates the private key. So the idea for us is instead of having a very, very secure private key, such as a hardware wallet, uh, we create security by numbers where uh, we use users have many, many keys associated with their wallet um, and they can add more and they can remove more. And it's really the, the numbers that provide the security where in order for your wallet to be compromised, you, you need to have multiple private keys at the same time be compromised, right? So they would need to have physical access to your phone. They would need to be able to access to your email, do we need to access your other device, uh, could even enable, you know, friend to have confirmation for certain uh, more important transactions. 
So for us, that's a uh, sequence in terms of security, that, that's what it provides. But we added a bunch of additional features such as, well, one of the, the one that we added most recently is, for example, is batch transactions. So uh, with this, and this is mostly perhaps something that's going to ring a bell for people that are familiar with NFTs, but uh, with MetaMask, you need to mainly transfer the different NFTs one at a time, especially for different contracts. And Sequence Wallet, you can send all your NFTs in one transaction. Um, not only that, you can send NFTs and your currencies in one transaction. Uh, you can pretty much send any types of asset in one single transaction. You can choose E, DAI, some NFTs, just transfer them in one click. Um, so that's one feature that uh, we have. And this is very useful actually for uh, bridging between different networks. So another thing that we do in Sequence is we're very focused on this multi-chain world where you have Ethereum and you have many layer two and side chains. So uh, when you open your sequence wallet, you actually see all of the balances of your of your wealth on all the different networks. So you don't really have to switch network at any time. And the ability to basically transfer all your assets at once also allows us to bridge all your assets at once. So if you want to bring all your NFTs that are on Polygon back to Ethereum, you can do that in one click. Uh, same thing with your currency. If you want to bring your currencies from one chain to the other, you can just do that in one click. Um, so these are some of the features, but we, you know, there's other stuff like uh, we allow people to pay gas as a transaction fees. There's no concept of gas price or gas limit. Uh, there's basically users just CFP. There's a loss, a bit of a flexibility here in, in, uh, in control, but uh, the feed they can basically pay in either ETH or DAI or USDC or MATIC. Uh, we will make it so that basically they can pay an arbitrary asset, even potentially in the future. Uh, we would really like it for, because it's also a wallet for mainstream users. We want people to be able to pay their transaction fees directly with their credit card uh, and do their transactions. So, perhaps not even need to own cryptocurrency in the first place. And for us, that was, and on Polygon also, we do cover the gas fees. And this was very important for us because if you have a game or if you have an application and you have your own currency, uh, you don't want to also tell your users, oh, you also have to buy ETH in order to you know, do your transactions. You can just buy the currency they're using, be it USDC, be it, you know, I don't know, Fortnite V-Bucks or whatever. Uh, that is on the blockchain, well, they could just, users could use that to pay for their transaction fees. Um, and we can also make it so that projects can subsidize the user's fees. So if, for example, on Skyweaver, which is our game, we try to treat these products as separate, we could make it so Skyweaver as a product could decide to pay all of users' transactions. So when user purchase asset on Skyweaver, well, Skyweaver makes sure that there's no transaction fees, such that the users don't need to have any currencies to pay for their transaction fees. Um, so that's kind of like an overview. We're going to add, obviously, more feature uh, in the future. But uh, yeah, that's for sequence. Yeah, I, uh, I actually had a question around around that you had touched on briefly. But like, yep. um, you had mentioned like Fortnite. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the questions I was wondering is like, can sequence be used? Because how I understand it, it's, uh, it's just four lines of code. Um, so can uh, non-traditional games that have a in-game functionality like uh yeah like fortnite for example you can buy these skins right like there's that in-game currency uh relationship there will those games be able to integrate even though they're they may not be on the blockchain itself 
and like kind of use sequence to bring them onto the blockchain? Uh, that's a really cool idea. We haven't really focused too much on, you know, uh, non-crypto assets other than having on, on RAM directly in the wallet. I could see us trying to bridge that kind of gap. Uh, we do have partners, you know, in discussion with some larger companies and many, many other blockchain companies actually have uh, discussions with big gaming companies. So I could definitely see some sort of hybrid and like this. We don't have plans for that, but I think it's, it's a really cool idea. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be extremely interesting to see uh, from like a technical perspective, A, if that's possible. Um, because, you know, just the the gaming world is still very much so uh, on consoles and, and, and stuff like that. So I, it, w- it would be interesting to see how that would uh, bolster the uh, the adoption of like uh, blockchain in general, if we could integrate into like these legacy games. Mm-hmm. The biggest challenge, to be honest, is more to convince these companies that there is value for them to do that. Because a lot of companies, they like their users being you know, within their environment and not being able to leave. And I think a lot of, not just gaming companies, but a lot of companies are scared of their users leaving. So having their entire economy siloed from the rest of the world kind of guarantees that the user can't really leave it. Um, and I'm, you know, talking more about big companies. There are some that are very interested in trying out the technology, but uh, it's a control that not a lot of companies are willing to like. Well, I think it's more political <laughs> than technological at this point. Yeah, uh, but a game like Call of Duty, for example, that releases um, games pretty frequently, you know, you could they could have a standard for their currency, and then that currency can transfer between all of the games. That'd be pretty. That'd be pretty cool, and it would, would be still within their their own ecosystem. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you could. You could. Yeah, that's a good point. You could sell it as a their own games cross game uh, exchange of assets. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, especially with their model right now, with all the DLC um, skins that you could purchase, all the extra stuff. Imagine being able to take that from one game to the next game to the next game, and within the same ecosystem. You know, I I know people that spend like thousands of dollars on those games, and then oh, once yeah. the new, once the new game comes out, you basically lose all of that. Oh yeah. Just... Oh yeah, it's horrible, but it also pushes you to buy more, right? Not saying it's you know what they want, but from having had conversations and haven't been in the gaming space, there's there's a lot of discussions about how to make sure that users can purchase, right? How do you make current assets that they purchase less relevant so that they end up going and purchasing more stuff? Um, and you know, not all game companies are like this, but you know, from my experience, some of the bigger ones are definitely very predatory in terms of how they try to monetize their users. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. I mean, one of the concepts that I've been kind of playing with is the the royalty fees, right? So if you are selling a skin and, and that's like a limited skin, maybe one of one, the gaming company can still get a certain percentage of that no matter how many times it's sold on yep. their marketplace. And I could see that being a massive stream of income. I mean, just look at Counter-Strike and what they've done with their whole skins, mm-hmm. the knife skins. It's just a massive marketplace that's waiting for them to be um monetized yeah it's huge and i think you know it's and i'm not saying that as as an argument i think it's really their loss because i think the way to see it is right now they're having the entire pie worth of revenue 
And they're scared of sharing that pie with other platforms, such as other marketplaces. Uh, but you know what really ends up happening, and I think a lot of us uh, here are, are familiar with this, but when you start growing the economy and having more projects integrate with your own assets, right? Uh, it's not only that, sure, the project, the company that is behind the project may lose part of the pie, but the pie gets so much bigger. And once you start having Call of Duty or, sorry, CSGO, the knives being traded here and there, uh, that really like pushes the game way further than if it was not tradable or not within the game, right? And right now the game may not be monetizing this, but I think it's not going to take very long for them to realize that Yes, they may lose control over some of the trading, uh, but there are strategies such as, yeah, if you can introduce royalties or have a really, really good marketplace or a really good economy that allows you to monetize even though your assets are not in your game per se or not in your marketplace. Uh, there's definitely ways for that. And I think it's really going to be the numbers that is going to convince these big companies. When they start seeing that they can make more money than they are doing now, I think that's when we're going to start seeing the shift. Yeah, a hundred percent. And with the with the sequence um, SDK, is it going to be available for any game developer to tap into and, and use the product? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to try to open source as much as possible uh, gradually as things become more polished and stable. And we're going to have we don't have documentation yet for people to integrate, but yeah, we're going to have documentation hopefully by the end of July. And you know, gaming it's it's one market, but there's we're in discussion with a lot of other companies, not just in gaming and other platforms that are, um, sorry, other fields that are interested in trying to make the user experience more seamless. Oh, that's so, really cool. um, so like, w would it be fair? So like sequence, oh, that's it's, really... it's the gateway. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Super actually. No, my, my bad. Um, I was just going to note that that's really important for the future generations coming to use services like these, because I know that I'm young and I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out everything about blockchain, right? So you talk about normies that know zero about blockchain. They're not going to come use your service unless it's like easy and accessible. What that's Yeah. Yeah. We lost you super. Oh, you're back now. All good. Can you repeat where you were staying last? I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how much you heard. Not very much. <laughs> this internet sucks. <laughs> well, I was I was having issues at the at the beginning, so that's your turn. Super, you gonna re-ask what you were trying to say? Can you hear me? Yeah. For now, yeah. Yeah, okay. No, that's what I was I was just saying props to you because um the future generations, aka the younger ones, it we we run into instant gratification, right? If you don't have it there now, people are done, people are uninterested. So if you have an easy, accessible layout and uh UI for your product, which you have, um, I just think that's another plus one and uh the ability to onboard more people is going to come with having an easy and accessible uh, UI and just system. Yeah, and if you guys have better ideas of how to like improve things, or you know, I'd, I'd love to hear them because it's 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 a forever battle. You know, there's always ways to make things simpler uh, and and easier to jump in.
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've definitely had some side conversations with some people in the community and there's definitely some, uh, pretty big brains out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you, if you get a DM randomly down the line with a, with an idea. I'd love that. Um, kind of, kind of going from that. Uh, so I know sequence is like the, it's the gateway to access and build, you know, this, in this new dimension for web three, uh, like, is it kind of fair to classify it as like a uh, like an app store for these dApps? Um, we do have ideas around you know making sequence more like app stores. Uh, I like to use more the analogy, and again, this is kind of going back to the um, Ready Player One movie. But you know, sequence is almost like the Google that allows you to enter that virtual reality. It's kind of like a, a gateway, as you said. You know, it's a gateway for you to interact with this world. Uh, way more than, you know, perhaps a, a end product or a destination on its own. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, I've actually I've actually done a fair bit of game development on like Unity um, and Unreal, and I was curious if Sequence is going to be compatible with those with those type of um, engines. Uh, yeah, actually, because Sequence is all built in. Uh, you know, web-based, and we're going to have native apps as well, but it's very easy for us to uh, build and integrate in various products, such as, you know, mobile developments or consoles. Uh, there's definitely challenges, but, you know, there has been uh, discussions, and we know the work that needs to be done in order to be integrated, say, within Unity or Unreal. And it's, it's, not, it's not too much work. We don't have to redo too much. Just need to spend the time to do it. Yeah, that's that's really cool because I could definitely see, um, especially like indie game developers trying to tap into this um, as a way to start monetizing, mm -hmm. you know, their games. And it's really really hard for a lot of those. I, I know guys that have been working on games for three to four years, and they're not, you know, they're still developing it, right? Like they're still they're still working on it. They're living in like their mom's basement. They're not making any they're not making any money, but they're really passionate about the game um, and what they're doing. And I feel like this is just an, another easy way for them to start. Uh, monetizing uh, all of the hard work that they're doing, even at a really early stage, if they release like a beta version um, of the game. Yeah, you guys are having great ideas. I these are things I thought about that I completely sidelined for you know whatever reason. So I'm I'm gonna note a few of these. <laughs> Hell yeah, man! Maybe we'll, maybe we'll make it into the credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, final scene. Yeah, could see that happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Our car that looks like Mewtwo could happen. Hey, we'll go. probably get sued though. So, hey, I I haven't been sued yet. So that's true. That's true. But you don't have a company behind your avatar. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I I should get Mewtwo.com or something. <laughs> um, I want to. Yeah, I think this is actually a really good point to like transition to to Skyweaver. Um, can you kind of give the audience like a general overview of, of what Sky, Sky River is all about? Yeah, so Sky River basically is a trading card game where, uh, for those who are familiar with the genre, we're trying to be in between Hearthstone and Magic the Gathering in terms of complexity. Uh, so it's a free-to-play game. You can, you know, play on your phone. We have uh, Apple, iOS, Android, Linux, Windows, uh, Mac. Uh, so you can play pretty much everywhere. And yeah, it's... Is the, the, the goal of the game is really to be competitive, collect cards, uh, and then go up in, in the rank and, and earn cards and uh, be creative. 
Yeah, it's very, it's very, very similar to um, to Hearthstone. And I was mm-hmm. curious how your, how your team came up with the concept and decided to move forward um, with this venture. Um, I don't know what came about. I think for uh, the reason why initially was card game was we were thinking, okay, well, you know, what is the the best way to integrate blockchain in a game? Well, uh, trading cards are you know uh, an area, not just digital. Uh, games, but for example, Yu-Gi-Oh cards or Pokemon cards or Magic the Gathering cards are, you know, f- forever associated with the, the concept of trading, right? And especially back in 2018, trading was, you know, one of the main things that was possible in, in blockchain. So it just felt like a natural fit to say, okay, well, we can build a card game. The complexity is not as big as, say, for example, building a MOBA or building a game like Fortnite uh, around skins. So we said, okay, let's build a card game. Uh, where people will be able to own and trade their assets uh, and learn them. And yeah, and that's that's kind of why we started to pick uh, that domain. It's a, it's also, you know, one that is easy to play on mobile. Um, it's like fairly casual, games are short. So it just felt like a nice in-between of uh, complexity yet casual and a concept, a concept of trading is already very familiar for the people in, in that uh that are familiar with these games. Yeah, that sounds super interesting because um, for like probably 10 years of my life, I played this, uh, it was a card game technically, like you'd, you'd run around as a wizard and you'd play with cards, like go fight people. Um, not exactly the same concept as your mm-hmm. game, but uh, I was wondering if there's going to be an arena, almost like uh, where you can solo queue or 2v2, 3v3, 4v4. Uh, and like face off against other teams. Oh, I would love to have a multiplayer uh, game mode. It's, you know, we're at this point, we're really focused on, because uh, we want to go in, into mainnet very soon, you know, in the next couple of months. I don't know if you were there when I mentioned that, but so we're focusing on, you know, fixing bugs and not introducing too many new features that, or too many game modes that, uh, you know, would take a lot of time to, to test and to build. Uh, but multiplayer game mode is one of the things that, you know, within the community, people have been asking for, and in our team, we've been thinking about. And it's very difficult to do in a way that, you know, is is meaningful without having to redo the game entirely. Uh, but it's definitely something that we're interested in. Yeah, I I couldn't even begin to understand the complexity behind you know coding this game and trying to make it into a multiplayer blockchain game. Um, but that is you know it makes sense that you're just focusing on getting it out at first and not having all these other roadblocks in the way i think that's really smart um and plus the community if they really love the game they'll support it you know that's coming from a a gamer you know if you if you love the game you're going to respect the team and respect the roadmap um but if so if you were to do an arena would you use like a wager uh system as well like where people could bet crypto or any other asset maybe just cash um and utilize chain link smart contracts to determine the winner uh the winner or i know you guys are just focusing on getting it out yeah yeah so i mean just you know talking about the future and what's possible uh, i'll break it in two first of all do we want to have the game mode where or place where people can bet right uh that one we are we're actually it's not a multiplayer like 2v2 or 3v3 uh, but we do have a game mode that we call Conquest. So, uh, and the idea is that it's paid to enter. You pay either one dollar or you pay one card. Uh, you can use 
cards that are we call silver card, they have a silver frame, and these are tradable assets. And the idea is that if you pay, basically you're going on this quest to, to win as many victories as you can. And if you win one, uh, if you win one battle, uh, you're going to basically guarantee one silver card as a reward. If you win two, you get two silver cards. And if you win three times, which is the end of your of your conquest run, you're going to get a limited edition gold card to have a finite supply and a silver card. Uh, so that's you know it's not per se wagering and, and betting. Uh, but the idea is, you know, you, you enter with tradable asset and you can earn tradable asset uh, as you play as well. Yeah, that actually, that's really exciting because that brings back one of the, the core gaming fundamentals that I, that I personally value is like the grind of the game. If the game's not interesting enough and like like a game you can grind, for me personally, it's like, oh, okay, like Call of Duty, you just you keep playing, right? You just keep going to the pubs. But in these strategy games and collectible games, I, I feel like it really keeps your audience there. Um, so also another major props to you on that. I, I think that's super dope. Thanks. Like if you get to the battle, you know, you get you get a gold, which could be worth something even more valuable later. Yeah, I can, I can um, go a bit more on this, but I want to come back also on what you mentioned about Chainlink because, you know, we do have this game mode. And um, so one thing this is, uh, this is something I, I talked to Chainlink got, I think, uh, maybe a year ago. But the way we designed the game very early on in 2018, I don't know if you guys are familiar with state channels, but our idea was to build the entire game such that you could verify with a smart contract who the winner was, right? And uh, quickly it became very apparent that building a game in solidity on smart contracts is an absolute nightmare and is a terrible idea due to the complexity. It's just so much code and smart contracts are not meant to be very complex uh, if you want them to be very secure. Uh, but we did a lot of the work such that uh, every time a player makes an action, uh, they do use a private key to sign the action they're gonna take. And every randomness in the game is actually a randomness that uh, if, you know, I'll mention the name for those who are familiar, but we use a randow, which is a uh, collaborative generation of randomness such that the randomness does not come from the server, it's generated by the players themselves. And we made it so in a way that basically everything in the game is deterministic, everything in the game is provable, and you can have the entire history of the game and prove that no one was able to cheat and that the outcome of the game is as what was declared. Uh, and once we have that technology, you know, we didn't do that in smart contracts, but we did that in, uh, in, our, in our game engine. Uh, this is, becomes very appealing to have a system that uses oracles uh, because now you can have nodes that have a very easy way to verify the outcome of the game. They don't need to, you know, watch the game or whatever they can. They don't need to use their API. They can literally just run a node that takes the outcome of the game, or take the, the history of the game, run through the game, and they're guaranteed to know who the winner was. So uh, not to say that we have plans to use Chainlink in the future, but you know, I could see that in the next coming years, if Skyweaver takes off and we really want to make it more decentralized and more community-based, I could see us trying to make it so that, yeah, the conquest rewards are you know, governed by a, a system of a, a network of nodes that verify the outcomes of the games and not servers that we run. Yeah, that that's awesome. 
Uh, I really wanted to touch on, you know, the provability of the game. That's also another thing is, like, if you've ever played against cheaters in a video game, mm-hmm. I, Call of Duty, I'm just going to bring yep. it up. Obviously, it's not fun. <laughs> Nobody likes to play against cheaters. She's getting wrecked. So I think that's really good that you guys are um, making sure that there's no cheating involved. Um, do you have any plans for a uh, a ranking system? Yeah, so... Um... I- I might have yeah, no, I, I didn't mention that actually. So maybe I think it'd be useful as well because I, well, I can talk about the ranking, but I can talk more in general of the structure because I didn't mention. So the Skyver is free to play. And just to tie in a bit with the economy because I didn't mention Conquest, uh, players can earn every single card in the game for free. Okay, and this is a decision we made to make sure that we could onboard as many users as possible. And uh, a bit like Hearthstone, you can just unlock every card for free. But the cards you unlock, if you just play, uh, you know, roughly are going to be what we call base card. And base card are just the card that you have with a purple frame. Now we have the same card. Every single card can be either found in base card version, or silver card version, or a gold version. And basically, they're skins, right? They have they're having a gold version of, say, a green dragon is not better than having a, a silver version or base version. Base version is the one you unlock by just playing the game for free. And silver version, there's various ways you can earn them the same way as gold. And uh, this is where we basically introduce the ranking system. Uh, the ranking system is you know, fairly traditional. You have different tiers and you have ELO in the background that calculates you know, your score over time and tracks of your performance. And our idea is that uh, at, the end of every, at the end of every week, based on your position on the leaderboard, uh, based on your rank, uh, you, we're going to distribute uh, silver cards to the players. Um, and this is basically a way for people to say, okay, well, if they become good enough and if they rank up high enough, they're going to start earning their first tradable assets. Um, now, this is kind of like the, as you said, it's part of the grind. Now, players that want to become excellent, they can reach what the, the, final, uh, the final ranks that we have are called Master and then Grand Weaver. Grand Weaver being uh, the top 100 players uh, in the entire game. Uh, currently, it's top 25 because we have a smaller player base, but we're going to make top 100 when we have a larger player base. And the idea is once you get there, you get you know the most silver cards. The closer you are to the very top one, the more silver cards you receive on a weekly basis. And the idea after that is once people are always, you know, what do you do once you're at the very top of the rank? What do you do? Uh, this is where people, we envision people will start transitioning to conquest where Conquest, I didn't mention it, but you can enter, just to repeat, you can enter with one die, right? Just $1 or a silver card. So now the players are good on the leaderboard and start saying, okay, well, I'm gonna take these assets that I've earned on the leaderboard in the ranking mode and use them as a mean to play Conquest, right? Or they can sell them on the market for, for some die and then take the die, enter Conquest, and now they're gonna start seeking to acquire the gold card and try to so we expect that the most hardcore players and the most prolific players will end up being in Conquest. Uh, but yeah, sorry, that's a long answer to say that there is a ranking mode uh, also. No, yeah. that, that, that was beautiful. No, that's perfect because that incentivizes people to just keep grinding, right? You know, once you get that silver, then you can go trade it for die, X die or die or whatever asset you're using to start the Conquest. And then once you're done with the conquest, if you're good at the game, when or you know strategy is good, whatever, win the third game, you get the gold edition card and the silver. So it's like it's a win-win to grind, uh, especially if you want to unlock all the cards. 
And um, I actually had one question, but now I think my answer might be answered right there because you said that there was a purple, silver, and a gold. Um, but my question was going to be, will there be a card customize, uh, customization section, kind of where people can change the color schemes of the character on the card? Or uh, Yeah, this would fall under the you know, user-generated content category. This is something that we've we've thought about, but it's very complex to do in a way that is um, that works. Uh, there's a lot of games that have attempted to do that. Some of them have been successful, like Roblox and, and others. Um, but it's very difficult to do in a way that uh, doesn't turn into like utter chaos and disrupt the, I guess, uh, uniformity of the game for other users, right? So if, you as a user create arts that are very, very different than the style of the rest of the game. And then you play with someone that just played for the first time, they might have a bad experience. So there are definitely ways to make it so that users could customize their assets. Um, but we haven't really found, or we didn't have time yet to spend on how to make it so that it, it really fits with our, with our, uh, the energy of the game. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense. Um, we, we were actually talking about uh, the artwork on the cards last night, and we were like, damn, this this looks really good. So Thank honestly, you. I don't even blame y'all for not adding that because you're right, it might take away from someone's experience. Um, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, kind of building from that, you had touched on it. Like, I, I know the game is, is free, but we've seen a, a trend of um, some NFC or these like blockchain games and NFT projects where they accept uh, like credit cards. Um, if you do want to make the purchases, is that something you guys will support or will be uh, completely like crypto native? Yeah. So uh, in the wallet, there were people will be able to purchase die with the credit card directly. So, and we use die in our marketplace. Uh, the next step is, would be to directly accept the, the credit card purchase. And then we would convert it to die in the background and then, yeah, interact with the smart contract that way. Gotcha. So at the at the end, it'll always it'll kind of like always funnel to the to the blockchain. And yes, gotcha. Yes. Okay. Correct. Cool. Um, and kind of going from there. Uh, speaking of the blockchain and using Dai and stuff, will Skyweaver actually ever have like a token in of itself, or will that um will that never be the case? Um, it's not out of the question. It's something that you know we've been leaving at the back of our mind um we do have some random ideas but definitely for the near you know short near term uh the cards will be the main assets you know and we might introduce hero skins and other types of collectibles but we're very focused first on the on the collectibles before introducing any form of, of currency that is uh, native to the game really cool um i also wanted to touch upon the uh the creators program that you guys um, have a, have on the site. I know we have a bunch of gamers in here, and I'm sure I know I have a bunch of like Twitch streamers and things like that that follow me. Um, is like is the creator program active now? Um, and if not, or if if it is going to be soon, um, how would people become involved in that? Uh, that's actually a really good question. It's definitely not my area of expertise, <laughs> but I, I could ping uh, you know our marketing director Hany and ask her about it. Uh, considering we are trying to launch in the coming months, uh, definitely if you if someone is interested, please reach out. Uh, we are definitely going to start having more of these, you know, collaborate collaboration with uh, creative partners. Very very cool. Uh, yeah, the guys they have like contact information as well on the on the website, I believe. 
Um, I was also curious if you guys were exploring any type of like AR or VR technology um, for the game. Uh, we have not. Well, funnily enough, because our game is browser based, um, it's not that hard to integrate the VR. In fact, I've already played once in the VR, but it was playing in the browser in the VR, which is not the same. But um, our two of our devs that are very focused on the graphic part of the game actually expressed the desire eventually as a side product to try to make it so that you could directly play in in uh, in VR. So. Uh, I could definitely see that happening. It's def it's not on our radar in the near term, but that sounds like a really fun project to to eventually explore. Yeah, 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 hundred um, percent. I don't know if you've ever used like a Hololens or um, any of those. Oh yeah, I have, I have, uh, I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be super <laughs> cool to like project oh, yeah. on like a table or something with friends. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, no, for sure. There's there's definitely uh, there's definitely something there. Um. Curious around, like, if you guys have like a timeline for when uh, the beta will drop uh, for Skyweaver, uh, mm -hmm. and how uh, people listening can go about like getting early access. Yeah, so um, you know, the game right now is in early access and still on testnet, uh, so nothing that is done is is tradable um, or valuable. Uh, the best way if you guys want to have access is to go on our Discord. There's a channel where basically you can uh, redeem a code by, uh, yeah, just you can redeem a code if you join Discord. So that's the best way to jump in the game right now. Um, and why would you want to do that? Well, of course, if you just want to play, there's a lot of people that just want to do that for playing. But um, we also are going to give, you know, uh, 800, uh, sorry, 1,800 gold cards. Uh, 1,000 gold cards. What am I saying? Getting, it's getting late for me, but a thousand gold cards for the top one thousand players in the in the during this phase uh, on testnet. Uh, these are going to be limited edition, only printed for the people that participated in the closed beta. And uh, so hopefully, and uh, that testnet closed beta hopefully is going to end, you know, in the coming months. Uh, no precise timeline yet, uh, but once that's done, then we're going to shift to mainnet still uh using uh, closed access just to make sure that you know everything is stable everything works well uh there's no people losing money and whatnot uh, so hopefully that won't last too long and then we're gonna we're gonna drop the uh we're gonna drop the the gates with the codes and just open open it to everyone no it sounds like a solid plan um I was also curious around uh, your thoughts around Horizon and where you see like the company going in like the next maybe two year, two to three years. Um, do you do you, you foresee like Skyweaver being the main game? Do you see do you see you guys dropping um, dropping new games? Uh, yeah, I think you know like Skyweaver is definitely going to be uh, in terms of games going to be our main focus. Uh, it's going to take us. It's, it's our first game as a company and there's still a lot to do on that game. So I think it, there's plenty of work to do on it for the next couple of years. It's possible that, you know, if things go very well, then we may collaborate with other people to build more games and we may become co-creator in that sense. Uh, maybe in the next coming years, that's very possible. Uh, but Horizon also, I think we're starting to, uh, especially with Sequence, we're trying to build a lot more uh, protocol and infrastructure as well in parallel. So. In a way, you could almost think of it as, you know, uh, Horizon has a game studio and also has like an infrastructure 
uh, more blockchain focused product. Uh, and I think these two will will kind of branch and not branch out, but they're going to grow on their in their own perspective uh, in the coming years. Uh, so yeah, Sequence is, is our first product, but we have a lot of other ideas that uh, we've started designing for um, that are not per se Skyver related, but you know are, are very much related to uh, blockchain and, and product that we want to see in, in the space. No, hundred percent. You guys are already doing like a ton of a ton of work, so you guys definitely have a lot on your plate. I have a lot, then. Yeah, if if anyone is looking for a job, we have a lot of openings because yeah, there's there's a lot of work to do. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we definitely have a lot of listeners um, and followers that are that are interested in getting into crypto. Where where would they go to look for? Uh, the current job listings. Yeah, we do have uh, horizon.io uh, slash careers is probably the best place. Uh, it's not up to date. There's a lot of, you know, not up to date, meaning that there's a lot of jobs posting that we haven't added yet to that uh, page that we are adding right now. So we are looking for not not to say, but maybe like 10, 20 people and from all different, you know, background we're uh, technical non-technical we're looking for people that have you know marketing expertise or that know a lot about blockchain and and love tweeting and you know want to be part of the community there's there's really a job for you know the, the whole the whole range of, of skills now that's awesome i think i was also on the it's either the horizon or skyweaver twitter i think you guys have a pinned post um up on one of those twitter uh pages if anyone wants to check that check that out um you kind of answer all my questions super high and chase did you have any uh additional follow-ups chase you want to go first yeah sorry i had to i had to step away for a second um no i mean i'm it's it's just cool to hear uh from from the people on the ground floor um actually building this stuff out and i i just wanted to take a second to say uh thank you for coming on and uh like being extremely transparent and visible and also like just being open to new ideas so like for anyone out there it's like listening and, and you're interested in getting involved like here's your chance you know it's like it's it, it the the meritocracy i feel like like in this like space is just like it's so interesting you know it's like the the good ideas rise to the top and if you have um innovative ideas people in this space are like willing to listen um, and you just never know what doors are going to be open through that. So uh, I, I really do appreciate you uh, taking your time to chat with us and, and be open to that type of stuff. Thanks, man. Well, you guys had great ideas and yeah, just to echo what you just said, not only for our company, but if you guys are using this space, there is so much, so much to do and to share and uh, don't be shy. People are very open, you know, especially, I think crypto is very focused on the community. So uh, join discords, share ideas, and you know you'll, you could be very surprised how, how this could turn out. Yeah, I just wanted to second everything Chase said. And also, uh, you said you can get the code to the game through the Discord, yep. correct? Just if you for... guys go on uh, skyver.chat, I believe. Um, let me just confirm that. Yeah, skyver.chat you're going to join the discord and uh, there's a channel there that you can redeem the code and, and start playing the game right away. Sweet. Thank you. Very, very based. Um, 
did anyone in the audience have a question for Felipe while we have him on? If so, you can request. Um, just wanted to second everything that Super High and Chase was saying. Really, really appreciate you just sharing the knowledge and um, also just being super open to to the conversation and, and even just coming on the base space. Um, that's, that's what we're all about. And I, I second everything you said about uh, the crypto community. It's so open guys. Like there's so much opportunity. Um, everyone is, everyone is available. Even people that you think aren't available are, are available. Um, and that's what I think is really cool. Like we've, we've literally had people on here that are, you know, <laughs> uh, extremely, extremely wealthy, uh, and they're open to coming on the space and talking with us and, uh, making time. And, uh, yeah, don't think anyone isn't, out of reach. Um, I, I think that this is like a really unique opportunity and I don't, I don't, I hope it stays like this, but I have a feeling it won't, um, as the industry grows, uh, and becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So definitely capitalize now, uh, if you're looking to network, um, gain knowledge, um, it's, it's just such an awesome, um, community to be part of. And it's, it's awesome, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Felipe, thanks for coming on the base space. We really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time. Uh, thanks for you guys. It was really fun. Hopefully we'll like talk it. again. Yeah. Are you, uh, we record these. Are you cool with this? Uh, going up on our YouTube channel? Yeah, it's cool. Hell yeah. We'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely let you know when it's live. Sounds great. All right, everyone stay based. Thank you again for looking. Yeah, have a good evening. Bye. You too. Stay based, everybody.